and welcome back to another episode of Loss of Down. I am your host, Stephen Whedon. Of course, always joining me in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, my co-host, Mr. Wally Lukashensky. Wally, how are we doing out there in Pittsburgh today? We have a lot of snow here in Columbus. It's starting to come down, starting to be a shitstorm. Much of the same for you out there? Yeah, there's calling right now for, for what, a quarter inch of ice on top of the 8 to 12 inches of snow. So it's kind of miserable, but it feels like the whole country is dealing with right, that right now. What Oklahoma and Texas, of all places, Oklahoma was negative 20 today, and Texas had more snow today than they've had in 70 years. Crazy time, this, what, Uri or whatever this damn storm is. It's not messing around, man. Hell is literally freezing over. Is that weird that it's correlating with this being the first Sunday that we have not had football? That's the question I really wanted to ask. First week under our belt without football, Wally. How you feeling? How you holding up? Well, I usually have the the Penguins, who are a a very good hockey team. They're, like it's my, without a doubt, it's the closest thing to football I have. If anybody doesn't know me now, you know I'm a diehard hockey fan too. But they're not that good this year, so it's kind of been a weird time. And thank God for Ohio State hoops because I feel like there's just this void every year from February till August. We're desperately trying to fill. And I don't know how to do it. Your Buckeyes top five. First time in a while. I mean, what, Aaron Aaron Craft days, I guess that's what we were talking about here um, a little bit uh a little bit earlier before we started hitting record on this. The most important question I've really been that that has been really burning a hole in my mind. Congrats. You finished the Burger King bet that we had here. Wally, how much are you missing Burger King? How much did you miss not going to Burger King and sitting in that line today? In a weird way. On Saturday morning when I woke up, it's one of those things where I've kind of, it was the typical 1130 lunch. So I woke up Saturday morning, had like my normal little breakfast. And then at like 1130, I just was, you you know, it's like that, that taste. It's like in the office where Dwight gets tricked with all the Altoids from Jim. And he's just like, my mouth is, it's really thirsty all of a sudden. Pavlov's law, bud. Exactly. That's exactly what it was where I just. I all of a sudden was like, you know, Burger King sounds, that sounds like pretty good right now. And that vegetarian Whopper, I'm not going to lie to you, it's been on my mind. You're a sick fuck, Wally. I do not know why you're endorsing this. So did you end up pulling the trigger and going to Burger King on Saturday, even if it was not for the impossible Whopper? But come on, you ended up going, didn't you? I wish I did. But here's the thing. I told you last week, watching the old LBs right now. So I'm trying really hard to be responsible. These couple days here before Lent, I always go hardcore with eating like shit. I had five guys tonight, but come back on Wednesday, we're, we're back on. I'm going to be real responsible. And we're, I'm telling you about once a month, I'm going to drop a number for you guys so you can figure out how I'm doing. But right now, I said I'm at 294, which is what, 36, 37 pounds down. Pretty fired up about it. Hopefully here at the beginning of uh, March, I can tell you I'm at 50. We'll see, though. All the weight you're losing is coming directly to me. I've just been feasting between just the football food. I've been telling myself it's okay to eat. There's football on. You can shove it in your face. Shoved my face yesterday for Valentine's Day. Had some big ziti and endless desserts. My grandmother has sent me two boxes full of her cookies in the past three months, and it is just eating a hole inside of me. But those cookies have crack in it, so I guess that's okay. Now, I want you to talk about real quick. This is what happens, by the way, everybody. When football is gone, we talk about food. This is how the these guys' brains work right here. Tell them what you ate after we recorded last Wednesday because I had never tried it, and it looked 
absolutely delicious. I, I never would have thought that that was something you can even get here. So go ahead, Stephen. You have to explain this thing. There is an international grocery store called Wylands. It is in the Clintonville area, right there in Indianola. And they have, you know, wild meats, wild selection of really anything. It's an international grocery store. So put two and two together. This is also a place where I'm able to get ground camel meat. That is right. Camel. So every now and again, when I'm in that area, I go and get some camel. And on Wednesday, I made me some nice hump day burgers. I know it's kind of sadistic on my end, but man, oh man, Wally. Like I said, next time you're in town, I will make sure that we get some hump day burgers going no matter what day of the week it is. But guys, if you have not had it or skeptical about having it, I would definitely pull the trigger if I were you guys. It is awesome. It tastes just like beef. You could eat it without me telling you. You would not know the difference. I highly suggest it. And I cannot wait until we are both eating it, grilling them up here, hopefully sooner rather than later, Walter. Yeah, I know that we had already been talking about it, but I'm thinking about rolling into Columbus, hopefully either this next Wednesday or following Wednesday, we can record in person again, be a lot of fun. And then on top of that, you can't beat hump day burgers. Call it sadistic. Call it whatever you want, Stephen. That sounds delicious, and it's a brilliant idea. There's nothing that says you're done with Wednesday more than eating that freaking camel. Mike, 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 Mike. Right into it. Take a fat old bite out of Mike. Everyone knows that person in the office just like that camel. Visualize that while you just take a nice juicy bite. We do have some stories that we do want to you know, dive into. This is a... Uh, recap episode of how you know our predictions here in the beginning of the season how they panned out how dumb specifically how dumb i really looked how wally panned out as well Uh, before we kind of dive into it we got news here about an hour ago prior to us recording this that uh, vincent jackson former nfl wide receiver uh, for the tampa bay buccaneers as well as the then san diego chargers has passed away found deceased in his hotel i guess more of a resort um, doesn't matter this morning here um, at the age of 38. He's a three-time pro bowler. Two of those three years in San Diego, obviously the other one in Tampa Bay. But, you know, what sticks out to me, just 38 years old, Wally. And it felt like just yesterday we were watching him still in the NFL. Um, he played last in 2016. And he could potentially still be in the league, you know, at this age. Yeah, this is it, this is back-to-back weeks now that we have to really talk about some some tough stuff here between the three people in sports journalism that passed last week and now Vincent Jackson. Yeah, he's only 38 years old, and we don't want to speculate on how he died until we, we hear more. But yeah, all we can do is you send condolences, thoughts, and good vibes to, these, to the family because this is – it's demoralizing. And you said it. He's 38. I mean, there's people that play in the league at 38. I mean, Tom Brady – is freaking five years older than this guy. And it's just, it's really a shame. This is one of those that you could very seldomly does something shock the sports world so much like this. And you could really just feel a collective sigh and gasp from football fans everywhere when the news broke. And I, I mean, I really don't have anything else to add right now. It's it's a guy that we grew up and it felt like every off season. I remember it was the, he was the Thomas Jones of wide receivers where we would always be like, this is the guy that's going to explode this year. And he always was very good, but he was really close. He could have taken that next step to being elite. And I mean, the guy was a blast to watch. The guy was a freak athlete. I just, it, it, it it's a gut punch. It, it, this is really heartbreaking. Anytime someone this young passes, it, it really, it feels wrong. He's that player on your team that you always wanted. He was that grinder. He was that guy that always had your back in a fight. And he was great 
in the community as well, especially in Tampa Bay. You know, they loved him there in Tampa as, you know, as well as San Diego. You know, he leaves holding Tampa Bay's record for most receiving yards in a game, as well as the longest reception in a game. Um, 216 and 95 is the longest reception, both against the New Orleans Saints in 2012. On a little bit lighter news, I know, I think it was just after we had recorded the podcast last week, J.J. Watt was officially released by the Houston Texans. There's a lot of teams that are linked to J.J. Watt potentially as a landing spot. And, you know, I'm hyped. So I'm going to have to jump on the smoke and mirrors that Wally always alludes to about free agency this early on. But J.J. Watt and the Packers have a significant link. Packers are apparently giving him a call and his agent along with a couple other teams. But Wally, this is a match made in paradise, no? Yeah, I mean, if you want to look at places that emotionally might bring him in, you throw out the money side, you throw out everything else, what two places make the most sense right now? Green Bay, as he grew up in Pewaukee, Wisconsin, did my high school beat his high school 35 nothing when I played there? Yeah, sure. It's not a big deal, though. So anyways, yeah, and also, did I play TJ Watt, and did we win? Did I play any snaps? That doesn't matter. Who cares about that? My team won 35 nothing. I am better than TJ Watt. That's a team first player right there. Love to hear it, Wally. Yeah, it's not a big deal. I mean, basically, it was me and Wisconsin should have probably offered me, but it's not a big deal. We're not here to talk about that. What we're here to talk about is that he is a Wisconsin native, Wisconsin grad himself. It makes a ton of sense that he would want to go back home. I mean, think about it. He built that. I mean, I know you probably remember. He built that crazy mansion, like log cabin, Rocky Four style up in the middle of the sticks in Wisconsin about five, ten years ago. Put you in a mansion. Somewhere in Wisconsin. Where he goes up and trains every offseason. Why not go back home and play there? And then you pair that. The only other team that I feel like you get that emotional attachment for him is whether or not if he chooses to go play in Pittsburgh with his brother TJ and his brother Derek. So those are, to me, without a doubt, the two places he probably wants to play most, especially when you consider both of those teams, are still Super Bowl threats. So you pair all the emotion... And then you consider the fact that they're also potentially going to be playing in February. Well, he'd be crazy not to be very interested in it. When you consider the money side, too, there are quite a few places that would make sense otherwise. But Green Bay and Pittsburgh, to me, emotionally make the most sense. It's just a matter of either of those teams are able to get the money to be able to pull the trigger on that. And that is going to be the biggest question. I know for a fact Green Bay definitely has some cap issues. You know, they just re-signed David Bakhtiari, who went out with an ACL injury uh, here a couple months ago. Aaron Rodgers is essentially demanding a contract extension, which I'm just going to go out there and assume that one's going to be pretty pricey. Most likely going to have Aaron Jones walk. You're going to need to pay Jair Alexander soon. So depending what that price tag is going to be, And J.J. Watt's mentality shouldn't be getting a fat contract. He's had over $100 worth of contract. You know that he's getting a lot of money through endorsements as well. Let's just go cheap. Let's get this man a ring that he deserves. Let him walk out as a champion. Yeah, and I'm never going to knock either or any player for chasing money or chasing rings. It ultimately comes down to what makes the most sense for them personally. But yeah, Green Bay and Pittsburgh right now, I keep harping on that, but they make the most sense. It's just a matter of whether or not They're able to pull the trigger. But Pittsburgh, ironically enough, we were just talking about it. They might have a little bit more room here because today Marquise Pouncey announced he was retiring. And on top of that, that's Big Ben's probable best friend on the team. 
Those are the guys that cried together after the game. They sat on that bench when there's nobody left on the field from the Browns or the Steelers, and they both were sitting there and basically saying, man, I'm sorry we didn't get this done. I wanted to do this for you. So that says a lot about the relationship they had. And who knows, there's starting to be a little bit of smoke that Big Ben might actually be done in Pittsburgh. Whether or not that means he's retiring or if he plays for another team next year, that's a lot of cap space they save if that happens. And who knows, maybe they turn around and they go, hey, you know what, TJ? I know we had a little bit of a of a fight there at the end of the season, or at least according to Mark Madden. We're going to get your brother in here now and we're going to run it back, so to speak. And who knows, maybe they have a, a new rookie quarterback or maybe they have a guy like Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins starting for them in August and put them over the top. Speaking of a new quarterback, the Indianapolis Colts are in dire need of a new quarterback. Andrew Luck retired here a couple years ago. They bring in Phillip Rivers. He is now done. Colts, as well as the Chicago Bears, are linked with possible trade destinations for Carson Wentz. Now, I know we were talking about it a little bit last week. Colts make sense. They have Frank Wright there, who was the OC for Philadelphia during that Super Bowl run and where Carson Wentz saw his most success before going out with that ACL injury. Essentially, what was going to be his MVP year. And then the other team is the Chicago Bears and Matt Nagy, who is desperately clinging on to someone or something to keep his job alive after 2021. Are these two teams realistic spots for Carson Wentz to end up, or are we going to see him going somewhere else? Well, I think that we're at the point where we obviously kind of assume that he will be moved, whether or not Philly gets anywhere near the asking price they had. I doubt, but they're going to move him this year. It it sounds like that's a damaged relationship beyond repair at this point, especially when you pair the fact that Jalen Hurts looked really freaking good in the last four weeks, a lot better than I expected. I thought he was going to be a dumpster fire, so hand up probably wrong there. I'm not going to say full wrong. We'll see in the second year when people have a little more film on them. But yeah, those are two teams that make a lot of sense. The Bears are so desperate for a quarterback. I mean, when's the last time they had a a realistic guy that you can look at and say he can win a game for you? If you're going to say Jay Cutler, I disagree. Oh, I'm thinking Rex Grossman, Wally. You're such a joke. (laughs) I can't even. All right, Rex Grossman. Sure. Yeah, because Every time you think about that Super Bowl with the Devin Hester return, everybody just sits there and thinks to themselves, you know what, if only we could put a defense around this Rex Grossman guy, maybe the Bears could win a title. Oh, wait. That was a pretty damn good defense, I would think. I don't know. Let's ask some Chicago fans. Yeah, I, I obviously I was joking. That defense was – by the way, that was a blast of a defense. I know that you probably weren't happy to watch them, but it felt like every week – they had some kind of defensive score, or Devin Hester took one back to the house. I think that was also the year, correct me, maybe if I'm wrong, do you remember the year that Hester returned one where one of the other, I don't even know what to call it, return specialists were laying down, and they threw it back to him, and he ran up the field and scored a touchdown on that same play? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, but I don't think there was, I don't even think it was the Bears I did it, but I know exactly what play you're talking about. I know for sure it was the Bears, but there's a very good chance it's the wrong year. Well, And it's also happened with other teams before, too. So there's a chance that we're both thinking of different examples. But, no, yeah, but for sure, going back to what we were originally bringing up, Carson Wentz in Chicago makes a lot of sense because, go figure, stop us if you've heard this before, the Bears have a very good defense, and the guy under center is not going to be able to win you football games in January when you play good offenses that are still going to manage to put up points on that defense. It makes sense that they look at Carson Wentz and think, you know what, we can fix this guy, or at least he's going to be better than Mitch Trubisky. No offense to Mitch. He did improve to the latter part of this year, but that's not really saying all that much. The Colts also make sense. You brought it up, Frank Reich. It would be a very good match for them 
It's just a matter of whether or not they they choose to go that route or if they want this time around to draft their own new guy. I mean, they haven't drafted a quarterback realistically since Andrew Luck, and that went well. And before that, I mean, ignore the what Cody Painter years from Purdue, the two and fourteen after Peyton Manning left. Outside of that, the, the Colts have had a very good history of drafting quarterbacks, so it'll be interesting to see which route they go. But I think those are probably the most likely landing spots of as of now. But you know how fast these things change. This tomorrow, we could be looking at it, and some team could emerge as the clear favorite. Let's end our stories with an absolute shocker here, Wally. Adam Pac-Man Jones. So Jones was arrested after allegedly punching and kicking a person in the head until they were unconscious. 37-year-old Pac-Man Jones held on 25,000 bond and is scheduled to go in front of a judge here on Monday. This man never got it right. You can see that he never got it right. Scale to 1 to 10, Wally. How surprised are we here? And 10 being that that Hillary Clinton meme when she's just mind-boggled about something and she's looking up with her mouth wide open. Man, I again, this feels like a little bit of a trick or a trap question. Probably a 2, maybe a 3. For the record, I want it to be said... I loved Pac-Man Jones on the field. I wanted the Raiders to have him for much of his early career. But he has had these issues off the field. And it's so Pac-Man. I don't know if you saw the quote that came out of this yet where he said, I did what I needed to do. So who knows? I'm not going to go too speculative on what happened as of this point. Like we don't know the full story yet. So I'm not going to go too hard on the guy. Pac-Man Jones in trouble again. It's, It's probably not the most surprising thing. But I hope he figures it out. I mean, especially in the later years where he was with Cincinnati, he really did feel like he fixed his image quite a bit. He was a team first guy. I know it's very easy to just remember that Steelers wild card game with the Bengals and Steelers. That was a fiasco and embarrassment for both franchises. But on the whole, he he really did kind of change his image and perception in the last like ten years or so. So I'm gonna I'm gonna hold off and hopefully hear more about this story. But yeah, it's it's not a good look. You always just have to wait for the truth to come out. It's all the waiting game. Everyone's just going to speculate, hop on the side that Adam Pacman Jones definitely did this, you know, because of his track record. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not going to lie. I'm definitely one of those people, Wally. This man definitely did this. And uh, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. So we'll wait for the video to come out. It's 2021. Everything is caught on camera. So until that comes out, I will not make a final judgment. And now we are going to go over the recap of our predictions here preseason. We're going to start here in the AFC North. I reside in Columbus, which is in between Cleveland and Cincinnati. We got someone here in Pittsburgh and we all equally don't care about the Ravens. So this is a, this is an AFC North podcast in a nutshell, the Steelers winning the division at 12 and four, the Ravens and the Brownies tied at 11 and five and the Cincinnati Bengals finishing at 4-11. and 11. So, Wally, I'm going to toss it to you here. How did your, uh, how'd your AFC North pan out, bud? This is a division I always feel like I pay really close attention to, as I'm sure you do now that you moved up here, and your family's in Pittsburgh, and you're in Columbus. So it makes sense that we really focus on this division a lot. And fun fact, parents met at a Bengals game, so I really have everybody but the Ravens like really covered between friends and where I live. So I really like to focus on this. It's a lot of fun. Now, I had all three of those playoff teams in the playoffs. I had them a little jumbled up in the order because I had Baltimore winning the division at 12-4 and four, and the Steelers going 10-6. and six. So that was a little messed up. But on the whole, we drilled the three playoff teams there, and the Bengals, I had them at 4-12 and 12 instead of 4-11-1. and one. 
this will be a fun division to look at in the future because I really do think here in the next year we might have all four of these teams right around 500 or better because I really do – I believe in Joey Burrow that much that when he comes back, I think this Bengals team, especially if they go out and get an offensive line, could be a lot of fun. So one of the things for me going into this, I had the Ravens at 12-4. and four. I'm pretty sure, Steven, you actually had them in as the one seed, and I'll let you go here in a second. You had them at 14-2. and two. And a lot of people going into this year – there were rumors, or they're not even rumors. There were people out there picking the Ravens to realistically go 16-0. and That's how high on this team people were. Now, it looks like the teams in the NFL are kind of adjusting a little bit to this rush attack from Baltimore. It took Baltimore for way too long to figure out that Mark Ingram shouldn't have been the bell cow of those three. Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins are very good backs, and they realistically should have been getting the, the number one and number two touches all year. Now, this team going forward, I think they're going to need Lamar Jackson to step up a little bit with the passing game. It'll be interesting to see whether or not he can do that. The Steelers, they're also dealing with their own question marks. Is Big Ben going to be back? They are in cap hell right now, and we're still talking about them signing guys like J.J. Watt. You're going to lose Bud Dupree. That defense, though, is going to get healthy. You're going to get guys like Devin Bush back, so it'll be interesting to see. And then when you do, if you do bring in J.J. Watt, Who's going to basically take the step back? Are you going to sit to it back for a little bit and let J.J. Watt take in? Is Cameron Hayward going to take a back seat? It'll be interesting to see. You have the Browns. You naturally expect them to be a team that would take the next step. Baker Mayfield looked a lot better than people expected him to, especially in the latter part of this season. And then, of course, the Bengals. Like we said, this is a team that realistically could make a push for 500 next year. It's going to be a lot of fun to look at this division going forward. I don't know where we're going to pick yet. That's probably for later. But stay tuned. As Steven said before this started, after we run through what we picked in the past, we are going to look ahead at the Vegas odds for these teams in the divisions and the Super Bowl next year. And I got a little bit of a a far-fetched thing I'm going to throw out there when we get to it, so you want to stay tuned. But Steven, your AFC North picks, how about you give us a little recap? What surprised you and what, I guess, did you feel really comfortable in? And you drilled this. Now, I wouldn't say that I um, I was a lot higher on the Pittsburgh Steelers than than a lot of other people. People were, you know, dog and Big Ben, which, you know, I looked like a genius up until, what, week 11, week 12, and they just started shooting the bed. You know, I obviously completely missed with Baltimore. Um, like you said, I did have him as the one seed in the AFC going 14-2 and two, and even beating the Kansas City Chiefs, if I um, do remember so correctly. And I was way off on there. Kind of to your point, I was expecting a little bit more passing game-wise out of Lamar Jackson to take that leap. He will still hurt you with his legs. He rushed for a 1,000 yards. First quarterback to rush for a back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons. So he can obviously still hurt you, but the passing game was huge. And it's definitely a deficiency on that offense. Pittsburgh, I had them in second place, 10-6. and six. I don't feel too bad about that. Outside of a couple games early on that they deserved to lose, but they ended up squeaking out. I feel like this record is really who they are, maybe a little bit worse. Now, for the Cleveland Browns, I was dogging Cleveland a little bit. I thought they would be 6-10, and 7-9 at best, and just missing the playoffs, saying next year is going to be your year. Obviously, I was way off on that, so I'll sit here and, and uh, take my medicine. I was wrong. And then the, the Cincinnati Bengals, that one's hard to be wrong on. I think we both knew that they were going to be bad. It's a rebuilding year. We just did not expect Joe Burrow to be this good, and maybe the rebuilding will not last as long as anticipated. Now, for the AFC South, the Tennessee Titans ended up winning the division at 11-5. and 
holding the tiebreaker against the 11 and 5 Indianapolis Colts that finished second. Texans 4 and 12, Jaguars 1 and 15. No surprise there at the bottom. I know you're about to grill me about this Texans pick here, Wally. How did your AFC South look? I'd love to grill you about the Texans, but here's the reality is I had them going eight and eight. I thought that they were a game or two away from being the AFC South champion myself. It's just simply the fact that we are very high on Deshaun Watson, as most people are. And I really do hope he gets out because he's way too talented to be stuck in what feels like this is crazy. In a league with the Browns, the Raiders, the formerly known Washington Redskins, now the Washington football team, the Detroit Lions. Are the Houston Texans right now the biggest dumpster fire and worst run organization in the league? Because honestly, to me, it doesn't even feel close. They are getting up there. Between them and the Detroit Lions, I think they are battling a top poorly ran organizations. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of tough, I guess, when you haven't won a playoff game since 1959. That's one of those things that's hard to it's hard to defend if you're a Lions fan. But at the same time, I saw a tweet the other day, and I think it's hilarious. I'll probably I'll try to find it and put it out on the, the Twitter page, which is down underscore loss. I'm going to say that so Steven gets in his head. The, the tweet I saw was, I think it's really cool that there's 31 NFL organizations and one really weird cult in the NFL now. And I'm like, that is that is so well put for what this Houston Texans team is right now. You're hiring guys that were chaplains less than 10 years ago to run your football operations right now. What it comes down to is the guy's not qualified. The guy's not qualified to make football decisions, and I don't understand how that happened. I hope to God Deshaun does manage to get out. The asking price is so high, we'll see if it does manage to happen, especially when you have a franchise quarterback. Even a team that is run like the Texans are run right now, you can't let a franchise quarterback walk. So we'll see if it actually happens. So I'm not going to knock you on that. I know that was a long-winded thing bashing Houston, I had Tennessee going 10 and 6 and winning the division. So I I guess I hit that one. But what it comes down to is there's really not a contender on the AFC South right now until the Colts get a quarterback. Because that team is loaded if they have a good quarterback right now. People are already seeming to forget that they were literally that close from beating the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo this year. And who knows what happens if they have, I love Phillip Rivers, but if you get a better quarterback in there, who knows? That offensive line's terrific. Who would have thought this 10 years ago? But that Indianapolis Colts defense is very good. Jaguars, they have their own issues. We didn't talk about it in our stories, and I don't know how we didn't talk about it. That fiasco this week of Urban Meyer and former Buckeye. I love to come to his defense, but there's nothing to defend here. He goes out and he hires the strength and conditioning coach that was let go last year by Iowa for racist remarks getting people overworked so much that I think it was over 10 people from Iowa had to go to the hospital because of how hard he was working them. And he hires this guy after getting vetted. And you know Urban Meyer's already under a microscope because of his past. I was stunned by it. It's a disaster right now. And we'll see. I mean, who knows? You bring in Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields, whatever they do at number one, or if they trade that pick, it's a big deal. And I really don't have much... Good to say about that situation right now. The whole AFC South, outside of figuring out the quarterback situation in Indianapolis and figuring out how Tennessee is going to be able to get over the hump, because right now they're just a solid team that there's not too many places that you're going to be able to improve. There's just really, it's kind of just a lull period. I don't know how you feel about it. I'd love to hear what your thoughts were and what you did uh, preseason as well. First off, 
the Houston Texans front office is like that episode of South Park about the cable companies. And all they're saying is, oh, we're sorry. Sorry. Yeah, they just rip open the little, I don't even know, nipple holes on the shirt and they just rub it. Oh, sorry. I hate to, to bring this up real quick, but check this out, Steven. I've been running so much at the, the gym on the treadmills, my nipples are chafing. So I'm rocking the band-aids on both right now. So this is extra, extra feel good right now. I'm sorry. A little a little Nardog action from the episode of The Office when they run the uh when they run the rabies 5K. Is that what it is? Fun run. Fun run. Well, nothing's more nothing's more fun than uh nipple chafing. I feel you. That's why I don't run on top of, you know, being morbidly obese. That's mostly why I don't run. Now, for the AFC South, I had Houston winning the division at 10 and 6. That was an absolute pipe dream. I wasn't anticipating. Um, kind of to your point, the absolute dumpster fire of a front office uh, that kind of leaked onto the field how this would be. There was definitely some talent on the offensive side of the ball. They just were not able to put it together. And, you know, Deshaun Washington's frustration just obviously boiled over in the field. Dude had 4,800 passing yards, led the league in passing yards. And he's upset in this offense. Put him on a team he actually wants to play for. That is going to be fun. I had Tennessee second place in this division at 10 and 6 as well with Houston owning the tiebreaker. So I was a tad bit off on this. I had the Colts just missing it. I thought uh, Philip Rivers was a little bit too old to do what he was doing. But kind of to your point, Wally, the talent on this team the offensive line, the defense, the receiving core can do a little bit better. T.Y. Hillen decided that, you know, he was uh, a pretty good receiver here, what, the final four or five games of the year when he's been fairly dominant the past five or six. Whenever they do get a quarterback, Indianapolis is going to be a problem. I would even say even if they do get Carson Wentz, you put anyone behind that great offensive line and give them time, any quarterback can be good. They've gotten this far. I mean, hell, you can throw Sam Darnold in there. And I think that they would be a pretty solid team. And then you have Jacksonville. Jacksonville's Jacksonville. I didn't think that they would be this bad. I thought they'd at least be 3-13. and 13. They looked pretty promising after week one, and then the rest of the 15 weeks, they were, they were pretty bad. But overall, I completely missed on Houston, Tennessee. Maybe a sleeper pick to get J.J. Watt this year. Bolster up that defense. That, was, that took a very steep decline from the year previous on making that. AFC Championship run. And we will just keep it moving along here. We are going to go to the AFC East, where Buffalo coming out on top here. I better get some praise here, Wally. Buffalo coming out on top at 13 and 3. Miami in the second place at 10 and 6. Patriots 7 and 9, and the Jets at 2 and 14. I'll give myself a little bit of praise before you go, Wally. I had Buffalo at 11 and 5, knew that they were going to win this division, was not expecting that third year leap for Josh Allen to be this good. Dude had the second most MVP votes behind Aaron Rodgers, twice as much as Patrick Mahomes, four to two. So it's not that ridiculous, but still, anytime you double up Patrick Mahomes, it's going to raise some eyebrows. Stephon Diggs was an absolute problem for that Buffalo offense. I had them at 11-5. I had New England at 8-8. Eight and eight. I don't know why I had them this high. They obviously just were not that good of a team. I had Miami at 3-13. and 13. I was expecting them to go to two a little bit earlier than anticipated. And for him to be a lot worse than he was, which I can't imagine him being worse than he actually was, because he all around wasn't really that great. He didn't turn the ball over that much and just created offense. But that defense for Miami, that is the one portion of their team that I did sleep on. Then the New York Jets, I had them at 1-15. and 
I wasn't that really far off, but I can give two shits about the New York Jets and that speak about a dumpster fire, Wally. Other than that, how was your AFC East looking, bud? I'll pat you on the back for yourself a little bit here, too, because I didn't see the Buffalo Bills doing this. I know you said you didn't expect Josh Allen to make the leap he made in his third year. (laughs) Yeah, me neither. I had Josh Allen, first of all, for the record, anybody that knows me, there's only a few out there that uh, that are listening that actually heard me talk about it. This is the funny thing is that in his junior year at Wyoming, I was like, Josh Allen is going to be the steal of the draft. He's going to be a top 10, top 15 pick, and everyone's going to love him. Then my dumbass watched his senior season. I stayed up and watched the ESPN2 games where they play like Fresno State and whoever else in the Mountain West and the, the old school whack conferences out there. And he all of a sudden couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. And guess what I did? I sold all my stock on Josh Allen. It'd be like selling Bitcoin when it was at like $2, whatever. And then looking back and you're like, oh, wow, I'm kind of an idiot. That's what I did with Josh Allen. He's what I guess I initially thought an abandoned ship on. He's outstanding. The guy has gotten more accurate by the year. Stefan Diggs coming in was obviously a huge get for them. They were without a doubt. I know it was only one game, but they were without a doubt the best team in this division. And who knows? It feels like they're going to be for a little while, too. The one thing I will say is that I had New England winning this division at 9-7. and seven. I had Buffalo at 9-7 and seven as well, but I had New England sweeping them, and that was the difference. I was too high on New England, as you were. I'm a big coach guy, and that's why I really like push certain teams, not others, where – I really thought Bill Belichick was going to be able to get this team to do better, but it's tough when you lose, what, 15, 20 guys to basically sitting out the COVID? And then Brian Flores, who was probably the most slept-on coach in the entire NFL last year, yeah, he he was a little weird with the quarterback situation, pulling two of several times for Ryan Fitzpatrick and vice versa. So that was weird. But this Bills team, they're here, and they're going to be here for a while and, and until New England can manage to get a quarterback. I don't know. You're going to have three teams, I think, next year right around kind of like that AFC North that are going to be fighting for the division. The Jets, they have a little bit of time to wait. Robert Salah, good luck to him. He seems like a great coach. It's just simply not in the cards right now. Who knows if they draft a quarterback or if they draft another lineman to basically go opposite of Mekhi Becton. I don't know, man. I really don't know. But credit to you. You drilled this division a lot more than me. And I think we got to go to my division now, which I'll just start real quick. The AFC West. I was pretty close with most of this, I would say. Actually, you know what? Scratch that. I really wasn't. I drilled the Chiefs, so I'm giving myself credit because I had them in the Super Bowl. So did 98% of America, it feels like. So they went 13 and 3. I pay or they went 14 and 2. I picked them at 13 and 3. The Raiders went 8 and 8. So you have that disaster there where I picked them at se- or 10 and 6 and beat a five seed in the AFC. That didn't happen. That should have happened after the first. Nine games a year, they're sitting at six and three. You beat the Chiefs already. You lose to the Chiefs on Monday Night Football, where you have a lead with less than two minutes to go, and you can't finish it off. And the team unravels. And what's happened in the last several months? It happens every year. I don't know why Derek Carr is hated so much by people. People are still trying to find a way to say that Derek Carr needs to be moved. This team needs to go get Deshaun Watson or someone else to make this team go from. The seven and nine and nine and seven range to a Super Bowl contender. It's not Derek Carr's fault. If you give up 30 points a game, find me a quarterback that can freaking succeed with that. It doesn't happen. It hasn't happened. It doesn't exist. Denver, I had made eight and eight. I'm an idiot. I liked Drew Locke a lot more than I probably should have. 
and I had the Chargers at four and twelve. I didn't think Justin Herbert. I'm not even gonna lie to you. I didn't think Justin Herbert was gonna be good, let alone this good in his rookie year. I'm at four and twelve. So this is a very easy division, though. The Chiefs are gonna keep winning as long as Patrick Mahomes is healthy, as long as Andy Reid is coach, and as long as they keep managing to bring these big guys back. Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, they're gonna be back. And guess what? Those offensive linemen, Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz, they're going to be back as well. So the Chiefs are going to be reigning supreme for quite some time. I just have to hope that the Raiders can be a wild card team here before long. And right now, it really doesn't feel very, very hopeful. So I want to hear from you what you had. I want to hear, uh, I guess, any thoughts you have on this division. And honestly, I'd love it if you could just tell me something nice about the Raiders because I'm low, man. Yeah, you are not kidding. That energy from the start of this division talk to the end of it, just, oh, all moods. All moods were just swinging right there. Um, yeah, for here in the division, um, I had Kansas City going 14-2 and two here. I actually had them losing to Baltimore, but hey, at the end of the day, the only true team to beat the Kansas City Chiefs was Las Vegas Raiders. And they held them pretty close in the second game as well. The Chargers beat them week 17 with all the starters sitting out. That does not count. In this division, I had the I had the Raiders going nine to seven. So ended up eight and eight. I wasn't that too far off, but I did have them at least one another year off of making the playoffs. I tried to soften the blow when we were recording this originally. But I guess you just did not want to listen. You were just too focused on thinking about, hey, I hope Steven, you know, makes a bet that I can lose where I can eat Burger King for a week straight. So it makes sense. Uh, I was pretty, I wouldn't say high on the charges. I had them at seven and nine. This is more or less my mindset of defensive football, have a good run game and Tyrod Taylor, a decent quarterback that couldn't turn it over to Wally's point. I definitely did not think Justin Herbert was going to be the player that he was, that he stepped in to be starting week two. We've already talked about this last week. Shout out to the to the doctor that stabbed Tyrod Taylor the long and punctured it because Justin Herbert is loving him. And when Justin Herbert gets paid, so will that doctor. I had the uh, Denver Broncos at 4-12, and 12, so we kind of did a little bit switcheroo. I'm high on Drew Locke, but I'm looking smart now. Obviously, I wasn't expecting his injury to his shoulder, you know, to happen, put him out here for a couple weeks, cause this team to drop. Von Miller being out, um, they are. I know they are looking forward to having him back here, uh, full strength going into the 2021 season. So Denver might be a team up in this division, but man, two, three years down the road, you know, potentially next year, this division could be one of the best in football. In second place, led by your Raiders, potentially. There, was that nice enough for you? It's about as nice as I suppose I could ask for right now, in all honesty. Sorry, well, I couldn't hear you. Could you get that shotgun uh, out of your mouth, bud? I can barely hear you. My goodness. I'm low, man. I'm low. This is the problem where people like you that just win the division every year, you, you get no empathy for the, the Lions, the, the Bears, the Vikings, the Raiders fans, all these people out here. You get your Aaron Rodgers, and you're all like, oh, look at me. I'm sad because we lose in the NFC title game. You can go to hell. Speaking of the NFC North champions, that's the division that we are going to. The Green Bay Packers coming out victorious yet again. Nothing new here in the land of a Packer fan. Green Bay going 13-3, Chicago right behind an 8-8. Minnesota 7-9, and and Detroit 
in the bottom spot at four and eleven. I'll I'll kick it to you here, Wally. You were big on Minnesota going into this year, expecting them to win the division. Green Bay came out on top. So what? How did you think you did overall in the NFC North? Well, I didn't do well. I mean, I picked against Aaron Rodgers, so that was probably my first problem. But I really thought that this Vikings defense was going to be better than it was, and it turned out to not only not be that good, it was bad. It wasn't good at all. They did have a little bit of resurgence towards the end of the year, and I know you have teams like Chicago. I had them at 3-13. and 13. That was wrong. They went 8-8, eight and eight, but really, the Bears were never a threat. I know they made the playoffs, which is just a freaking miracle that they, they made it 8-8 eight and eight as a wild card. But I don't know. I, I without a doubt, my biggest miss in this division was having the Packers at eleven and five and coming in second. That serves me right for betting against Aaron Rodgers. Betting against here's the thing that you we both have said this. This is a Packers team that in years past had been soft. It it really did feel like it was maybe the fourth quarter being a few minutes longer away from potentially you guys winning a Super Bowl this year instead of Tampa Bay, which it hurts now. But it's also something that's very encouraging going into next season because you have guys like Jair Alexander who is making a push for Jalen Ramsey's spot as best cornerback. You have an offense that with Aaron Rodgers, as long as you do re-sign him, it doesn't matter if you lose Aaron Jones. This is a guy that you get so tired of harping about guys' football IQ because it's such a cop-out. It feels like you don't know what you're saying, but it's just He's so smart. This guy knows football like the back of his hand. He has the arm to make any throw. He had a terrible game in that that NFC Championship game, which sucks. I get that that sucks. He's still the guy. If I had a choice, he's one of the very, very first few that I want on my team to lead them. And, I mean, I'm going to pick the Packers next year. You can't catch me making the same mistake twice. Promise you that. I'm going to let you sound off here on your Packers Let's hear what you had to say, and I guess what I, I I want a sneak peek. Give us what you think about next year. Are you as fired up as you should be? We'll give the sneak peek a little bit um, when we're picking division and Super Bowl winners. You can go to hell. Good. I'll be hanging out there with a nice twisted tea popped right next to me waiting for you, Wally. So I'll start the NFC North on the bottom here. I had Detroit at 4-12, and 12, which then went to 5-11. and 11. They're pretty competitive here, you know, halfway through the season. But, you know, once Detroit noticed what by week six and seven that, you know what, we can be a competitive football team. They just went on a nice, brisk six, seven game losing streak. Chicago. I had Chicago at eight and eight. That's where Chicago ended up. No surprise there. They are a walking eight and eight. That's all Chicago is. I had Minnesota at nine and seven. So I went a little flip flop on this. Minnesota got down in the hole really early, made a really huge run. We all saw that behind Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook was just on an absolute tear for a four or five, six-game stretch. But Minnesota wasn't able to close it out towards the end to make a playoff push. And then we get to my victorious NFC North champions, or their household name, the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay surprised me. I had I had them winning the division at 10 and 6. I was not expecting a 13 and 3 back-to-back season with Matt LaFleur here. Aaron Rodgers looking great. We all know that he's the reigning MVP. He was looking amazing. The favorable schedule in Green Bay's defense is the reason that they got up to 13 and 3. I'm not going to argue. That got them home field advantage through the playoffs and their number 1 seed. Obviously that did not really matter. Did not get them to the Super Bowl. That is neither here nor there. Aaron Jones did not have the season that we were anticipating him to have. 
based off a season that he had last year, I'm expecting Green Bay to let him walk, let alone a couple other key key slash small players, Alan Lazard, potentially Jamal Williams as well. You know I'm putting Green Bay to win the division here next year. I'll go a little bit more in-depth when we get to that section. But, man, oh, man, you can't bet against me in the NFC North here, Walter. And I'm going to kick it down to the NFC South, where you kind of smoked me on this one a little bit. The New Orleans Saints winning the division at 12-4. and Tampa Bay right behind it at 11-5. and Panthers at 5-11. and And the Falcons at 4-12. and I know you have been waiting a while to dog me about these Atlanta Falcons, even though you did it throughout the whole season. But while I'm looking at you, you look pretty spot on here with uh, with your predictions. Kind of want you to talk through it here. Yeah, I really did give you a hard time throughout the year, and you deserved it because I should get the shit too because I was basically picking against Tampa Bay come the postseason throughout, so I deserve it as well. So here's the deal. The Saints, I had them going 13-3 and and winning the division. The Bucks getting in at the seventh seed at eleven and five, which is absurd considering the fact the Bears got in as a seven at eight and eight. So that was a little off there. But at the end of the day, I really thought the Saints were going to sweep this matchup in the regular season, and I picked them to win in the postseason again against Tampa Bay because it felt like they were a very bad matchup for the the Buccaneers. And who knows if you have Drew Brees play a little bit better in the postseason. Are we talking about a different Super Bowl champion? Because I think there's a very good chance. You will remember that that game in the, the divisional round. The Saints outplayed the Bucs for the first 35, 40 minutes. And then the Bucks' talent finally came out. Devin White basically turned the game himself. That defense turned the game themselves. Drew Brees looked lost. But I did drill those two. That's good. Ha-ha, patting myself in the back. Good job, Wally. But then at the end of the day, the Bucks win the Super Bowl, and I picked against them probably three straight weeks. So how much credit can I really take here? Regular season, I did great. I had the Falcons at 6-10 and 10 because I just can't trust this defense. I can't trust the offense. Any team that insists on not throwing the ball to Julio Jones in the red zone, it's just like a mental red flag to me that this is – and I like Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn is a very good man, and I think that he deserves another shot in the league. I just don't think that he's a head coach right now. And that was very poorly done. Credit to the Panthers then. We're going to go down a little further. I am at 4-12. They did better than I expected. Teddy Bridgewater, he earned himself a lot of money, whether that's as another reclamation starter, kind of like what Gardner Minshew did in a a year that you knew was going to be lost, but he got the start and keep the team competitive. He probably did the same thing for his own self. I want to hear from you now because you obviously were way too high on the Falcons. And I give you shit for that, but something that you didn't get enough credit for is going into this season, not only did you have Tampa Bay being a very competitive and very good team, you had them winning the Super Bowl, and you deserve the pat on the back for that because it's not easy to pick a Super Bowl champion in general, let alone when there's a team like the Kansas City Chiefs in the league where 60-plus percent of Americans were convinced we'd see somebody go back-to-back. So, yeah, I'm going to give you a hard time because you did terrible on the Falcons pick and you're an idiot for it. But I'm an idiot because I didn't look at you and think – I remember I was listening back actually this last week when we were prepping for this to the first episode we ever did. And I just kept hearing Steven do, you know what, I think they're going to win the Super Bowl. Don't bet against Tom Brady. Gronk's going to look okay. This offense is going to look good. That defense is great. And I was literally on the podcast laughing. Just, you're a joke. I literally used the phrase – can you just give me the money instead of betting to Vegas? Because you're just throwing it away. 
So, yeah, you deserve shit, but you also deserve credit. Now it's your turn. Kind of uh, give it right back to me. I deserve it. Oh, Wally, you've been asking for it for a while. And, yeah, I just sounded like a genius from that because I was I was especially harping on that defense. Their run defense being the 13th best run defense in NFL history going into this year, and they were just as good, if not better. Now, for this division, I had Tampa Bay going 13-3 and and winning the division. So I was only off by a game, but New Orleans ended up with a 12-4 and record, which I had them as, but I had them losing to Tampa Bay on a tiebreaker. So those are flip-flop. Where I deserve to get, you know, made fun of. I had Atlanta eleven and five, so I had Tampa Bay, New Orleans, and Atlanta all in the playoffs. I wasn't, I wasn't too, too far off on Atlanta. What they were five and eleven? Oh, they're four and twelve because I'm, you know, I could, I can make, I can make the argument that I'm dyslexic, but no, I was, just, I was just flat out wrong. Falcons are absolute dog shit. That defense is not. You cannot trust them. To your point, they don't, they do not utilize Julio enough. But at the same time, they've utilized him so much that he missed the most amount of games due to injury this year than he has combined for his whole career. Carolina was Carolina. We were were not expecting them to be really that good. But at the same time, we were not expecting them to be as competitive as they ended up being. They kept a lot of games close, most notably against your Kansas City Chiefs, Wally, which only came down to a field goal that, that Sly ended up missing at the buzzer. So they were not that far off. And there was a outside of there was at one point outside of the Tampa Bay games, they lost every single game by a possession. So competitive team, I think that they can cause problems with a division outside of Tampa Bay. It's seemingly wide open going into next year. When I mean wide open, those two wildcard spots are wide open for potentially you to slip in. I just want to say real quick, you saying my Kansas City Chiefs because I picked them would be like me saying your Chicago Bears for picking them to win. I got hives right now, so that was gross. That wasn't worth anything. I was assuming the hives were coming from lack of the impossible Whopper now because your body has just become so dependent on it. Both are possible. I'm not here to tell you that they're not. They're definitely both possible. You know what? Whatever. Yeah, you drilled Tampa Bay. Go to hell. It's the NFC East time. I don't give a shit anymore. And now we're going to move on to the NFC East because we're talking about impossible whoppers. I feel like the NFC East is the impossible whopper of the NFL. It's trying to be something that it's not. That is the NFC East in a nutshell. We have the Washington football team. Oh, my God. Winning this division at 7-9. and nine. Giants and the Cowboys finishing at 6-10 and 10, then. The Philadelphia Eagles, sorry, your Philadelphia Eagles at 4-11-1. Those are two teams that you hate the most, and somehow I was able to grill you about them within a 30-second time frame. We were way off on this division. Holy shit, we had two teams. Oh, sorry, you had two teams winning 10-plus. I only had the one, but, man, we were way off. Well, I talk us through the NFC East here, bud. If you think me having two teams with 10-plus wins in this division is bad, Let me remind you, I had the New Orleans Saints going to the Super Bowl, right? Who did I have them beating? I had them beating the Dallas Cowboys in the NFC Championship game. Holy shit, did I blow this division. Now, I do want it on record. This was made with Dak Prescott as a healthy quarterback. This was not expecting Andy Dalton to be in there. No offense, Andy Dalton. He's probably one of the better backups in the entire league. But I did not think this was a team... That was going to be rolling with 
Andy Dalton after week, what, four or five? I had Dallas at 11 and five, winning the division. I had Philly missing the playoffs at 10 and six, possibly a little bit of hate. And you can go to hell for saying my Philadelphia Eagles again. Again, skin crawling. I feel gross. I drove Washington's record at seven and nine. Thank God I hit something in this division because I had the Giants at two and 14, who realistically was probably the best team this entire year in the division. It's just, it was a, I don't know. I don't want to say that it was a tough division to guess because anytime that a division winner comes out at seven and nine, I think most people probably got it wrong. You never expect that much futility from one exact centralized area. And it happened. And now all of a sudden you have a division where Washington, by the way, they brought in Bill Pullian today. That'll be interesting to see how that works. But Washington, they move on from Dwayne Haskins, who I was very high on going into the year, best shape of his life, blah, blah, blah. I'm an idiot. He did go to Pittsburgh, and I think that's going to at least be an environment, assuming Big Ben is there, that he can at least develop a bit because they have very similar play styles. But Washington, their defense is great. I love me some Chase Young. If they can get a quarterback, they'll probably be right in that mix with Dallas and Philadelphia, assuming Philly does stay with Jalen Hurts. They they do improve a little bit. Honestly, they have to improve on both sides of the ball. Haha, <laughs> that's great. And the Giants, I mean, this is a division that that should be competitive. While it's not the most talented one, this is a division that I feel like next year you can make a case for any of these four teams winning. I at least that's the way I look at it. I'd love to hear what you think, how you picked. Obviously, I this is the worst division I had. I was bad in a few. Like you're in here in NFC West, I did very poorly too. But the NFC West, the NFC West, the NFC East. Wow, Wally, talk. East? I thought you said West. So yeah, I I missed on the NFC East, not West. Screw you, Patrick. No, let's hear what you had or that you picked in this division. And again, I know you're not going to give me the whole preview because you want to save it for the division recap later on or the the look ahead. But at least give us a a little preview, a little taste test on what you think might happen next year without giving us too much. So the NFC least, absolute dumpster fire. I had Dallas at 12 and 4, affiliate 9 and 7, Washington 3 and 13, Giants at 2 and 14. This was actually a <laughs> a pretty competitive division. At least they have at least they have that for us, right, Wally? They're bad, but they're all bad, so it's it's competitive and the games are fun to watch. The games are very fun to watch. You know, I was surprised down the stretch with the New York Giants, you know, winning that game in Seattle. Washington giving Seattle problems, but yeah, boy, Dwayne Haskins could not get it done offensively. This division was fun. And outside of Dak Prescott, to your point, going out, this was Dallas's division from the get-go. Dak Prescott doesn't go out. This 12 and 4 record that I was assuming that Dallas was going to have or predicting doesn't look too bad. Neither does your 11 and 5. Philly, you're done. To your point, they need to fix a lot of lot of things, not just offensively, defensively as well. That passing defense could not stop a nosebleed, and you just inquired Darius Slay from the Detroit Lions, and he was getting Darius Slade every single fucking down against really big receivers. The one reason you bring him in is to stop them, and this is what he does. The Giants surprised me. They kept him, you know, Joe Judge. Special teams coordinator two years ago, head coach for the Giants now, kept them very competitive without Saquon Barkley and a very injured Daniel Jones down the stretch. Daniel Jones is very mobile. Daniel Jones isn't something crazy, but he's mobile. You've seen those runs that he's made, the Thursday night meme of him tripping up with the wide open end zone. 
15 yards in front of him. The man is fast. And what? They clocked him just as fast as it would. I don't want to say Tyree Kill, but they clocked him just as fast on, on one run regular season. We got to look it up. We'll, we'll try to post it on the Instagram at loss of down. The Giants team is very interesting going into this year and your Washington football team. I love that. To your point about their quarterback away, I think Alex Smith can be that quarterback. That is a team that has Alex Smith's DNA written all over it. They're not a, you know, look at the teams he's played before. He's the Niners and the Chiefs were, you know, the Niners were explosive on defense and they really stood out. And, you know, it's the Chiefs. They're explosive on offense. They give you all those weapons. Where the Washington football team is more of like you're grinding out. We're going to just wear you down until we just break you. You know, that defense, that front seven is something else. And I think that's Alex Smith's face written all over it. Dude was five and one with them as a starting quarterback. I don't see why you'd want to move away with it, let alone. I know you just signed homeboy, what, Taylor Heineke? Is that what his name is? Yep, Taylor Heineke. They just signed him to a two or three year deal as well. Wouldn't be bad sitting behind Alex Smith. And kudos to Alex Smith winning comeback player of the year. I know we alluded to it last week, but always want to bring it up because that's an amazing story. I heard, I think it was on part in my take, and it's a great, great point. He won, He got 49 of the 50 votes, and Big Ben got the other vote. Is Big Ben a voter? It's like Big Ben had to vote for himself, right? Uh, Yeah, I, I I, think I should win this. No, but Big Ben's the one. He, he'd be the guy that votes for himself. He's like, no, I voted for you, Alex Smith. You know, vote for me. You're 100% right. He would totally turn this into a, wait a minute. You know, yeah, you know what? I thought we were kind of voting for each other. I thought it was one of those things. Yeah, but congrats, Alex Smith. You're 100% right. I'll let you... uh take it away again as we get into the last division here we've got the nfc west where the seattle seahawks came out victorious at 12 and 4 the los angeles rams in second place at 10 and 6 the cardinals finishing at 8 and 8 which was such a surprise well depending what week of the season that we're talking about the cardinals and the niners finishing 6 and 10 which we know that they were injury depleted throughout the whole year between jimmy garoppolo George Kittle, you had Bosa, Solomon Thomas. I mean, where does the list end? You had Richard Sherman that missed some time. It's just a plethora of dudes. Debo Samuel, this is all off the dome. So let's not even talk about the Niners. The Niners will be right back here next year. We'll get to that when we're making predictions. But Wally, how is your NFC West looking? You're 100% right. And I'm happy that you did say that about the 49ers because I don't feel bad about picking them. I had them winning the NFC West in general at 13-3. and with all the injuries they sustained, especially at MetLife, especially against the Jets, this season was a lost cause from the beginning. I don't feel bad. I'm not even going to sit here and be like I was wrong because I don't feel like anybody had a fair chance to be right or wrong about this team. You know that I am in love with Kyle Shanahan to me. If I could start my franchise with any head coach, if he's not first, he's right there. He's an outstanding head coach. I don't care about the whole Oh, God, look how he choked against the Patriots. Look how he choked against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Like, shit, dude. Like, he's the one who's calling plays. He's not always – he's the one not playing the freaking game himself, too. I'm not going to sit here and say the guy's a bad coach because of things that happened in two quarters of his entire career. I won't do it. I'm not going to stress on that too much. I picked Seattle to be the sixth team in the playoffs in the NFC. I had them number two in the NFC West at 11-5. and five. I had no respect for Arizona. I had no respect for the Los Angeles Rams. I really like Sean McVay. Can't say the same for Cliff Kingsbury. No offense to him. But I just didn't think those teams had enough talent. I didn't think the acquisition of DeAndre Hopkins, and I didn't think Kyler Murray was going to have the year he did in Arizona. And then for the Rams, 
I never expected them to win in spite of Jared Goff. Again, Jared Goff seems like a really good person. Good luck to him in Detroit because Lord knows he's going to need it. But that's a team that I didn't, I really didn't see any feasible chance to not only win the playoffs, but by the time the playoffs got around, I picked the Rams to not only beat Seattle, I picked the Rams to beat your Green Bay Packers. I really thought that Rams team had the formula to potentially win a Super Bowl if they get a quarterback. We're going to find out this next year because guess what? They got themselves a quarterback finally. This next year, I'm not going to hint too much because we are going to talk about it here in a little bit. But the Rams have their quarterback. They have a good defense. They have good coaching. They have weapons on the outside. They have weapons in the backfield. They have a decent offensive line. Who knows? Maybe they can talk Andrew Whitworth to come back one more year because they realistically are a Super Bowl team now. We'll see what happens. That should be a very, very fun division next year. We never really think of the NFC West being one of the best divisions in football. They are. All four of these teams could be playoff teams. All four of these teams could realistically beat anybody on any given Sunday. My opinion might even change in the next four or five months, but I was very wrong on most of these. I think Seattle, the only one that I was kind of right about, and it'll be interesting to see with all the noise about Russell Wilson. You heard it on part one of this podcast last week. I think it'll be very interesting to see whether or not he is back. And if he is, do they address the offensive line? Do they address other concerns on that defense that they have? It'll be it's fun. It's going to be a great division. I, I want to hear what you think. I can't even remember who you had uh, as your winner off the top of my head. So let's hear that, and then we'll finish with our AFC NFC championship games, and then obviously our Super Bowl, and then. If you want to, we'll go into awards and our biggest miss and our biggest get. We'll see how I'm feeling. San Francisco, I had, uh, I also had them at 13 and three winning the division. So we were in the same boat on that one. I had Seattle at 12 and four, which ended up winning the division in this case. But I had them at 12 and four with the Los Angeles Rams at 10 and six, just missing the playoffs. And the Arizona Cardinals at 6-10. and 10. So I was not that far off. Arizona so streaky throughout the year. Kind of what you were saying. I was I was personally expecting a lot more between DeAndre and Kyler. Maybe getting Larry Fitz, Christian Kirk a little bit involved. And then, you know, honestly, Kenny and Drake to have a little bit bigger, bigger of a role than he had. He didn't really pan out. Seattle. Seattle's looking so, so great. What, five, six weeks into it. Let Russ Cook was really big. Then they kind of simmered down. And they went back to their old ways, which, wow, big surprise. Not as successful as they once were. It's not, this isn't the 80s anymore, Pete Carroll. We're not establishing a run game late in the third quarter, down by 14 still. Let Russ cook. Let the man throw it. Who cares if he's throwing interceptions? I know that defense is not what it used to be, but I think defensively and working on the offensive line is going to be the biggest needs, especially with Russell's frustration. If you want to keep that man there, that's the only way you are going to keep him happy. But the Los Angeles Rams, they looked great. That defense, yeesh. Do not, do not ever want to face that defense out in L.A. when they're warm and comfortable. Aaron Donald coming off a defensive player of the year award, not in his first time winning it. Jalen Ramsey, the best quarterback in football, causing problems as he typically does. And now that the Rams have Stafford, they are easily the favorites going into next year. It's their division to lose, and that division is going to be the best division in football. It was already arguably the best division in football outside of the AFC North. And now you're getting a healthy San Francisco 49ers team with the lurking possibilities of Deshaun Watson. I don't think it will happen, 
but you never know nowadays. San Francisco is that team to make trades for draft picks and get some uh, key players there. But we'll cross that bridge when we get there, Walter. No, I, I, I think you absolutely drilled most of that. But now is the unfortunate part for me, I guess fortunate for you, because you were a little bit more right than I was. Let's get into our AFC, NFC, and Super Bowl picks from preseason. I think that it probably makes the most sense to just reel all three of them off back to back to back and then flip to you. So I'm going to do that real quick. So my AFC championship, I had the Kansas City Chiefs beating Baltimore. And I had Kansas City, if I want to, I want to say if I remember this right, I did. Kansas City hosted Baltimore in this scenario. So I was right on Kansas City winning the AFC in the regular season and then going through. So I drilled Casey. That's awesome. Congrats. Pat on the back, Wally. You're you're the man. Baltimore, however, I I don't know what it was. I really thought this was going to be the year that we were going to see Lamar Jackson take that next step as a passer. He hasn't done it yet. I'm not saying it's not going to happen. And if there's ever a player that has the ability to do it, it's Lamar because of how good that not only the running game is, the offensive line is pretty good as long as they can keep Orlando Brown around. And if they can't, they better have a good solution. So that was on my or that was on me. The Ravens didn't quite get there. Little short. We'll see again. I'll probably have a very similar AFC title game next year. The NFC Championship. I had New Orleans over Dallas. Dallas, woof. That was a miss. And I know that Dak Prescott being gone was a huge issue for them. It really did change the whole makeup of that team. Even if Dak Prescott's there, though. That defense was piss poor. That offensive line isn't what it used to be. Zeke literally looked like he took a year off. And Ezekiel Elliott might have been my favorite Buckeye of all time. Maybe I'm wrong, but it really didn't look like the effort was there. It didn't look like the conditioning was there. He doesn't look like the same that he did as he, what, even a couple years ago in Dallas. We'll see if that changes. Now, New Orleans, I don't feel as bad about this. Because I really do think that if New Orleans beat Tampa Bay, They had a realistic shot to beat Green Bay, and they could have been there. They didn't do it. Your pick, Tampa Bay, went through. That was a matchup nightmare for Tampa Bay. It shows how great of a team Tampa Bay was this year. It shows how great of a leader Tom Brady was this year, that they were able to get over that hump in the postseason on the road. I know there were no fans. That doesn't matter. It's a big deal to travel. It's a big deal to play in a place you're not accustomed to playing. So I was wrong. And then I had Kansas City over New Orleans in the Super Bowl. I would have done Kansas City over anybody. It did not matter. I truly thought they were that good. And I picked Kansas City even after the Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher injuries. So it's not like I was going to change because of the injuries later on. I was just outright wrong. I will probably pick Kansas City to win, what, every year until Patrick Mahomes is gone? I'm man enough to admit that. As much as I hate them, I'm going to keep picking them. They're outstanding. I picked the NFC South team to get there i was wrong on which one steven you weren't go ahead you get this is your time you get to gloat a little bit here i'm not even going to say anything congrats to you for picking tampa bay congrats to my buddies edwin and hayden they're both big diehard tampa bay buccaneers fans i know they were both living their best life this week as much as it sucked to watch how happy they were i'm so much happier that they were happy opposed to those scumbags in kansas city and whatever. I, I don't care. Yeah, shout out to my boy, uh, Jared Gerard, North Carolina buddy, Buccaneers fan, for as long as I can remember, for as long as I've known him. So 
Now, I remember texting him right when Tom Brady went there and said, I'm throwing 50 bucks on them to win it right now. I do not care. That one panned out. A little bit of foreshadowing. My playoffs. In the AFC Championship game, I had Kansas City against Baltimore. That seemed awesome. Hindsight is 2020. Baltimore just was not the team that we were expecting. I know that you know we were discussing it a little bit earlier. Lamar Jackson just was not getting it done in the passing game. And that team kind of lost their mojo. You know, once they had that that COVID scare where a bunch of players had to sit out, you know, their team kind of just went down, you know, from there. NFC Championship game, I had the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I had them defeating the San Francisco 49ers. Obviously, we know that San Fran had no shot at, you know, making the playoffs, let alone this game because of all the injuries. But still, I had Tampa Bay beating Baltimore in the Super Bowl. Tampa Bay coming out victorious. You know, I didn't pick them beating the Kansas City Chiefs, but I still picked them winning the Super Bowl. I'm a genius. While they can suck a fart out of my ass, I don't care. I'm an absolute god. But we're going to move on, you know, at least a couple tips here. You know, overall, you know, looking back on it, we just ran through it here. Wally, what, what do you think were some of your biggest misses, but a couple of things that you really hit on? I definitely hit on Kansas City, but that's not really something to brag about that much because everybody in the world hit on Kansas City. You heard me talk about the AFC North already, so you know I got that right. I'm not going to talk about that too much more. The biggest miss, you heard me just talk about it a second ago. Dallas, in the NFC Championship game, Dak Prescott or not, was terrible. And perhaps even a larger miss on my part was Buffalo. I don't know what it is. It's something about those teams on Lake Erie, the Buffalo Bills and Cleveland Browns. I'm wrong on both of them. Typically, this year, I I at least got pretty close with the Browns. The Bills, on the other hand, I didn't think they'd do it. I didn't trust Josh Allen. I didn't think he would be anywhere near good enough to do what he did to get them there. I know they got kind of bum rushed by the Chiefs. That's nothing to be ashamed of because most teams did this year. The Kansas City Chiefs are just good. They're a few pieces away, and who knows? Maybe the Buffalo Bills can finally get over the hump and get themselves into the Super Bowl. I know America would probably be rooting for them outside the team they're playing in the NFC. So those were my biggest misses. You heard my biggest gets. I already know what your biggest get is, but go ahead. Oh, being all over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this year. I was harping on them all year, especially that run defense. And they have all those young playmakers. Another thing I I really hit on, well, especially in this show, was the Buffalo Bills. I was very high on the Buffalo Bills earlier on. You know, I was expecting Josh Allen to have that third-year leap. Now, I'm not going to say I'm ex- I am was expecting him to have this leap. I was expecting him to play well, but not this damn well. So th- those are the really the two things I thought that I was high on. And, you know, we could sit here for another hour, you know, talking about the things that I missed on. So the main things I really think I missed on, you know, this year, number one, Washington football team being that competitive and that defense making an impact this early being led by Chase Young, your boy. Really big miss. The Ravens being 14 and two. We've talked about it. Lamar Jackson, you know, did not make that jump. You know, another thousand yard rushing season, which is kudos to him. But overall, I thought that team was going to be as dangerous, if not more dangerous than the team that they put together a year prior. I was off. I was off on the, you know, the Falcons. Houston, Houston was uh, kind of not my fault. They imploded on themselves. And the Browns being that good and that competitive and ready for the playoffs that early. I think those are the few things that I missed on this year. Well, you know what time it is now. We got to get into the awards that we picked preseason. I do want to say this before we get into it. We were both morons where we picked rookie of the year as 
like one, instead of just doing what we will do this next year, offense and defensive rookie of the year, we only picked one. So I want to preface that going into it. But let's go first into our comeback player of the year preseason picks. Clearly, we all know Alex Smith won the award. Very deserving. I picked Big Ben. I was the secret voter. I was the guy that was like, I got to push my narrative. This is who I am. All kidding aside, he had an outstanding comeback season in his own right in the first, like, 10 seasons. And it felt like the wheels fell off that entire team. It wasn't just Big Ben. And we'll see. It might have been his last year. It might not be. He might be his last year in Pittsburgh. I personally just didn't expect Alex Smith to come back and play whatsoever. I did not think that he could do it. And that just goes even further into how deserving he is because I truly did not think he could come back from that injury. So I was happily wrong, but not that wrong. And I can I can live with that, man. My comeback player of the year, I had Rob Gronkowski. So at least I picked a player that was in the field prior to this. No one, Like you said, no one was really expecting Alex Smith to come back. But I had Rob Gronk. He never ended up really doing anything outside of having, you know, a few plays here and there during the season. We all know what he did in the Super Bowl. But he was mostly there for blocking in Tampa Bay. So he was not having a season that we were accustomed to. Of seeing. Now, the rookie of the year that we were both alluding to, we hit this right on the head. We only have this in one category, not defensively or offensively, just overall. We had Chase Young. We both had Chase Young. I don't really think there's too much to say there. Watch the tape. Kid was absolutely amazing. So we can we can both pat ourselves on the back on that one, Wally. It's sometimes it's just it's obvious. And he's one of those guys. If you've ever heard me talk, Quentin Nelson was kind of similar a few years ago with Notre Dame, where when you drafted him, I truly was saying to myself and anybody that would listen to me, which a few years ago, there weren't anybody, but I truly was telling myself, this is a Hall of Famer you're drafting. This is as close to a sure thing that you can get in the first round. I know guard isn't a sexy position to be excited about, and defense ends a little bit more sexy, but these are guys that you just know are going to not only produce, but they're going to be outstanding at this NFL level for the foreseeable future. So it made it a slam dunk pick. I can tell you, if we picked offensive rookie of the year, though, I know I wouldn't have picked Justin Herbert. There's a very good chance. I don't even have to say there's a very good chance. I would have picked Joe Burrow, and I would have picked Joe Burrow again. And I think Joe Burrow is going to be the best player in this entire class to come out. It's just a matter of he needs to get healthy again, and the Bengals need to surround him with an offensive line. And when that happens, look out. That AFC North is going to be must-watch football. Top the bottom. I could not agree more. Joe Burrow is going to be arguably the future of the NFL with Trevor Lawrence coming in in this year's draft. And already the crop that we have of quarterbacks, you know, that are shining right now. The future is seemingly in good hands. Coach of the year. We'll move right on. I had Mike Tomlin. You have Bill Belichick. We both could not miss any harder. I will say, at least Mike Tomlin, that Steelers team had a complete season, played a complete 16-game schedule. That Mike Tomlin's name would have arguably been at that list. But the way the Browns played this year, that was Kevin Stefanski's award to lose. Without a doubt. And I really don't even think – I'm not going to give us too much flack here on missing with Mike Tomlin and Bill Belichick. Because who knows, you go a couple wins one way or another, we might actually get that nod. I mean, you your Mike Tomlin pick, they were freaking 11-0. They looked like 
for most of that year, I know they won a lot of close games, a lot of games we didn't feel like they probably deserved, but they did win 11 of their first 11 games. And if they win that game against Cleveland, who knows? Maybe he gets a little more love from the voters. Now, for me, I simply thought that Bill Belichick was going to be able to get the Cam Newton that we saw three or four years ago out of Carolina. I thought we'd see that. What I didn't account for is how big those guys that chose to sat out on that defense were going to be for the New England defense. That was my bad. And there's really not, again, not much to say there. Kevin Stefanski deserves it. If you get the Browns, and this is going to sound like I'm being mean to the Browns, and I mean this with the utmost respect. If you get the Cleveland Browns after what they've done in the last 20 years to the playoffs, you deserved it. It was over the moment they made the playoffs, and then to beat their arch rival, the Pittsburgh Steelers, in Heinz Field, again, I don't give a shit that there was nobody in the fans. That was the moment he won. And he deserved it 100%. And what people keep forgetting, I know Patrick Mahomes was hurt. We might have been a Chad Henney incompletion away from the Cleveland Browns going to play the Buffalo Bills in the AFC title game. And who knows at that point what we're talking about. Do they win the Super Bowl? Probably not. But if they do, the world would have ended. 2021, the Super Bowl would not have finished. The meteor would have hit Earth in the fourth quarter with like a minute left while Baker Mayfield's about to take a knee. That was what was going to happen. But Kevin Stefanski deserves it. Good for him. He's the freaking man. And good luck to the Browns going forward because I tell you what, they're here to stay, man. And we'll move on right to MVP where you picked Patrick Mahomes, obviously the smartest pick that you can make. I picked Tom Brady. And we we already know who won. My guy, Aaron the Goat Rodgers. Won his third MVP this year. We weren't really that far off. You more than me. Tom Brady was making a push for it towards the end of the year. But Patrick Mahomes put up Patrick Mahomes numbers and lost strictly because, you know, what I believe is Aaron's doing that with less than of what Patrick is doing it. But overall, I didn't think that's a bad bet. Again, I think you pit Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs to win the MVP in the Super Bowl. And it's just the smartest bet because longevity, if you take that over the next decade, I think you'd win more than you're going to lose. I think the biggest issue is, and we talked about it a little bit on the episode last week, is that you're going to see voter fatigue again. It's very similar to what LeBron James had to deal with when he, well, he is dealing with, I suppose, in the NBA, where if you're truly just picking a best player every year, he'd probably win more often than not. But the problem is, is that voters are simply, like you said, they're like, I get tired of this. And Aaron Rodgers had to do more with less. I mean, Patrick Mahomes isn't throwing to Marquez Valdez-Scantling. He's not throwing to Alan Lazard. He's throwing to Tyreek Hill. He's throwing to Travis Kelsey. He's throwing to Clyde Edwards-Elair. Even Le'Veon Bell at this stage in his career is a very, very capable back out of the backfield where I know Aaron Jones is good, but I mean, it's, it's different. It's different. And Aaron Rodgers definitely deserved this. Again, I got nothing really to say negative about Aaron Rodgers. If he had a better NFC title game, it could have been him not only winning MVP, but also winning the Super Bowl. These are guys that, assuming that Rodgers does re-sign, you might be looking at the same two names again this very same time next year. We have Aaron locked down for another two years. He's just looking for a longer extension, which pay the man, especially coming off of this. There's a plethora of of records that he set. What was it? Ten 10 games of at least four touchdowns and zero interceptions with a rating of of X, Y, and Z. Six games. Of, yeah, it's really weird awards. We will not get into it. 
look into the Packers, you know, Instagram page, and I'm sure that it is flooded everywhere. But overall, I'm hoping that it's Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers running for the MVP here again. I would love to see Aaron duplicate his year back to back with a lot of questions of, oh, can he play anymore? He's throwing the ball out a lot. You know, he has the second most incompletions because he throws the ball away so much, especially Colin Coward was all over his case about it. Now look at him. Hopefully Aaron will be back for the MVP, fighting for a Super Bowl appearance again next year to only be ripped out by most likely Kansas City and that Chiefs team. But while we're talking about looking into next year, let's make those way too early predictions for the divisions. We're going to kind of do a little speed around here, Walter. We'll start here in the AFC. You have the Bills, the favorite at minus 170, Dolphins plus 280, Pats at plus 480, and the Jets at who gives a shit. Who do you have the NFC, AFC East, Wally? I think that the Buffalo Bills will win this division, but if you're going on value, the New England Patriots are the pick here. They're plus 480, like you said. You throw 100 bucks on this, they get themselves, whether that's a rookie quarterback or a quarterback in free agency, and you pair that with you're getting guys back on defense. It seems like everyone in the country has forgotten that half that defense sat out because of COVID concerns. There was not a team that was more impacted by issues with COVID preseason than the Patriots were. You get those guys coming back. I mean, why not take them at plus 480? I love Brian Flores. I love McDermott. I think the Bills are great. Everybody would be happy if they won. Value-wise, Patriots, without a doubt, to me, that's the only one that I would even consider better. I'd be looking at the Dolphins at plus 280. I like that. They really were not that far off from winning the division this year. Maybe a couple games here and there. They're going to have a full offseason with Tua, potentially bringing Ryan Fitzpatrick back. Depending on who they draft here, maybe they draft Tua's boy, Devontae Smith, his boy from Alabama, at three overall. The offense can click a little bit, and you know how great that defense is. Outside of the COVID sitting out, Patriots defense, that Dolphins have the best defense in the division. I'm going to take Dolphins plus 280 on this for shits and gigs. And the Jets are at plus 1600. I'm just going to sprinkle 10 on there just because. We're going to move it on to the AFC North here where the Baltimore Ravens are the favorite to win at plus 110. Cleveland at plus 200. Steelers at plus 280. And the Bengals at plus 2300. For me personally, I'm going to take the, the Cleveland Browns at plus 200. They're the team on the up and up. Steelers are coming down. Ravens are either plateauing or coming down. I don't know if I can trust them enough. Again, this is prior to all the offseason moves, so it's really hard to tell. I'm going to take Cleveland plus 200 to win this AFC North division, Wally. I completely agree, and I'm really happy you said that because this is picks that we are making on February 15th. This is not August. This isn't before we know what these teams have acquired, not only in free agency, in the draft, et cetera, et cetera. We don't know if Big Ben's coming back. We don't know any of that. As of right now, I think that I would pick the Cleveland Browns to win this division. Now, here's what I teased earlier. I would put my bet on the Cincinnati Bengals. Plus 2,300. You heard me say it. Yo, what? Hear me out. Hear me out. Joe Burrow's coming back. And again, February 15th talking. I think they're going to bring in Joe Thune from New England. They're going to solidify that guard position. I think you're going to see this team get Panay Sewell in the draft. You flip him on the other side of Jonah Williams. This all of a sudden is a team that has a feasible or at least a decent offensive line. This is also a team that has decent weapons. I love Tyler Boyd. 
I think he's very, very good. I think that you also consider the fact that you can get solid wide receivers later in the draft. Joe Mixon's an outstanding running back that everybody seems to forget about too because of the team he's on. The biggest question for them is, is their defense going to be able to do enough to keep them in games? At plus 2,300, it would take a lot for me not to throw a little bit down. Call it a unit. I don't know what you want, what your unit is. It could be $10, $100. If it's a unit, it's a unit. But if that Cincinnati Bengals team gets a quarterback play out of Joey Burrow that I expect them to, look out at plus 2,300. I couldn't agree more, but you're going to take them just overall, not going to do what I did with the Jets and just sprinkle a little bit. Like I'll, I would sprinkle 20 on the Bengals just for shits and gigs, but you're just going all in. Like $20, $20, you're going to get a return of 460 So, I mean, they, the value is there for me. Especially, maybe this is just me being too high and Joey Burrow, but I really, really do think, call it a sprinkle, call it a unit, call it whatever you want. I think, I said it already, I think the Browns win the division. But I think the Bengals are right there, and if a couple things go their way, it would not shock me at all if they come out with it. So what am I putting on our Excel sheet here? Are you taking the Browns or are you taking the Bengals? Because I put the Bengals and I can't take no take backs. Yeah, no, no, no. I want it to be clear. It's just like the last one where I think that the Bills win the AFC East, but I would bet New England before betting Buffalo. It's the same thing where I'm going to bet on the Bengals purely because I think that the value is best there. And it's realistic. I don't think that you get a plus 2,300 at this kind of level where it's typically if you see plus 2300 it's a pipe dream right it's we're talking safety on the first play of the game in the super bowl yeah it happened in that denver game a few years ago it does not happen i think this plus 2300 is the best value here and i really really like it all right we'll keep it going with the afc south you have the tennessee titans as the favorite minus 115 the colts at plus 130 texans at plus a thousand and jacksonville at plus 1600 same as the new york jets I'll toss it to you here, Wally. AFC South, who are you picking? I think it's because I expect the Colts to go out and get a decent quarterback. I'm not even going to talk about this division very much. But at plus 130, the Colts are a slam dunk for me. They were close this year with an aging and kind of decrepit Phillip Rivers. If you even get competent play out of that position, the line's great. The running backs are great. I love me some Jonathan Taylor. And that defense is the best I can ever remember for the Colts. Maybe just in our life. And I like Tennessee. I love Derrick Henry. But at some point, you got to imagine that Ryan Tannehill is going to have to do more with his arm. And I don't know if he's got it. And I love Derrick Henry. Like I said, he's the man. There's been – I mean, he's the best or at least the the most physical. He's the most 1980s-style back. You're going to give him the ball 30 times. You don't see that anymore. But at some point, he's, he's either going to get hurt or teams are going to be able to do enough to stop him. And I think the Colts right now, for me – are the slam dunk winner in this. I'm picking them to win and I'm betting them. This is the first time I'm kind of doing both. So I want to hear what you're thinking. But yeah, hammer the Indianapolis Colts. I could not agree more. I am all Indianapolis Colts on this. This is one of the few bets that we can actually agree on. Tennessee minus 115. They got very lucky, I think, down the stretch here and being able to win the division. Down the stretch, the Tennessee Titans just were not the same team. I just do not have that much confidence in them to play a full season and win the division. Again, this is February 15th, so it's hard. We'll see how free agency goes. But Indianapolis Colts, plus 130. I'm just going to go ahead and assume that they are going to trade for Carson Wentz. 
and they they will be the favorites. But for right now, I would take the Colts at plus 130 strictly because of that, really for no reason. We'll flip it over to your division, Wally. The AFC West were big surprise. Kansas City Chiefs are the overwhelming favorite at minus 400. Los Angeles Chargers at plus 420. Your Vegas Raiders at plus 1,400, and the Denver Broncos at plus 1,800. Not even going to touch this bet. I'm going to pick Kansas City to win this division outside of Patrick Mahomes, you know, having a season-long injury. Outside of that, I wouldn't mind sprinkling a little bit on the Las Vegas Raiders simply because of that case. You never know, especially after just watching him get devoured in that Super Bowl game because of his offensive line. And he has foot surgery this past week. You never know if Patrick Mahomes could get hurt, but I'm going to go with the Chiefs minus 400 as the division winner. Sprinkle a little bit on the plus 1400 for your Vegas Raiders, Walter. Yeah, I I actually kind of like what you said a lot earlier in that where you said you weren't going to touch it because that's where I'm at because the Chiefs are going to win this division barring an injury to Patrick Mahomes. And I just don't think the value, the return is enough for Kansas City to justify betting it because who knows, you're right. If Patrick Mahomes gets hurt in week one, then all of a sudden it's a free-for-all because I probably wouldn't pick Kansas City at that point. So for me, I just avoid this bet altogether, top to bottom. The Chiefs are my pick, but I wouldn't bet it. Simply, like we said, because there's too much up in the air when it comes to health, and they're just so much better than everybody else with Mahomes. I don't even feel good about sprinkling money elsewhere. We'll flip divisions and conferences here. NFC East or the Weast, as uh, Wally was saying a little bit earlier. Dallas Cowboys are the favorite, minus 125. Philadelphia Eagles, plus 260. The Giants at plus 600, as well as the Washington football team at plus 600. We were both kind of harping on Dakota Prescott being the main factor. The Cowboys you know, did not take advantage of the weak division play this year like they have been doing, I don't know, the past 10 years. I'm going to take the Cowboys on here. Barring that Dakota Prescott does not have another, you know, season-ending injury. On top of that, they get they get the deal done to get him to come into play, and hopefully they don't have to franchise tag him. They get a deal done. Nonetheless, I have the Dallas Cowboys winning this division. If that if Prescott is not their quarterback and they cannot get it done, or he is not playing, I'm gonna throw it on the on the football team. Fuck it. You already know. Steven, you already know. Who I'm picking in this division. I have been riding this team since episode one back in August. Yeah, it was because of Dwayne before. I get it. But the Washington Buckeyes, oh, excuse me, the Washington football team with Terry McLaurin and Chase Young, they're going to get it done. And I, I just really do believe that they're going to find a quarterback. I don't think Alex Smith is back. I think they're either going to draft or they're going to get a guy in free agency. And who wouldn't want to play there? Because they have an outstanding defense. It's one of the best defenses in the entire league. If they just didn't get hampered by the fact they couldn't move the ball if you forced them to, I would. I, I think that it's without a doubt the best value here. And not only that, I'm going back to back. I'm picking value and I'm picking outright. I think the Washington football team is going to find their quarterback and they're going to win this division next year at 10-6, and 11-5. and five. Wow, back-to-back years. You're going strong on the football team strictly because of your boy Chase Young. Not a bad pick. Not a bad pick at all. But, again, it's February. Let's see how free agency goes. We'll see if Dallas makes any moves, Washington makes any moves. The Giants. Well, fuck the Giants. Let's talk about the NFC North here where this is nothing new here, Wally. 
Green Bay Packers are the favorite to win the NFC North at minus 210. The next closest, Minnesota at plus 320. The Chicago Bears at plus 550. And Detroit at plus 2700. You already know where I'm going with this. I'm going to pick my boys until someone can dethrone us. Minus 210. Green Bay all day. Easiest bet ever. I'll toss it to you. I'm already done. No, I, I'm not really going to say anything about this. You heard me say it earlier in the episode. This is, to me, this is the whatever amount of money you feel comfortable betting. Like, let's say if you have $1,000 and you just say, you know what, I might lose this, so I'm throwing it out. It's no big deal, but it might come back. This is what you do. You throw every dime you possibly have on the Packers to win this division because this is the NFC North. This is something we're used to. It's like the AFC North, really, where we got to see the Steelers and Ravens for so long. The only difference is there's not two teams. It's the freaking Packers. The Packers win all the time. Every time you, every time I, anytime any of you listeners down on the Packers, what do they do? They go out and they give you the most underwhelming 13-3 and season of all time where you're like, damn, man, I probably won't pick them again. They're going to go 13-3 and and they're going to win the freaking division. Packers win. Put whatever you got on it. Minus 210. Is it the best value? No, but they're going to win the division. This isn't like the Chiefs. This is not the Chiefs. There's something in that division. There's black magic involved. I don't care. No one can win but the Packers. I refuse to believe it. Couldn't agree more. Love to hear it. Finally on this side, cheesehead and all. About time, Wally. Don't ever disrespect me in my own home picking the Minnesota Vikings. I remember looking at you saying, I'm allowing you to sleep on my couch, and you're going to pull this shit. We're going to move the NFC South. Tampa Bay is the favorite at minus 140. The Saints, which I find surprising, is the second favorite at plus 180. The Carolina Panthers, well, now that I go to the Carolina Panthers, I'm not as surprised that the Saints are the second favorite. But Carolina at plus 850 and the Falcons at plus 1,000. This is the closest matchup outside of the NFC East, you know, division-wise, to winning it. Atlanta, I think, is completely out. But Tampa Bay, they didn't win this division last year, ended up winning the Super Bowl. Do you think the next step is that they win this NFC South? I honestly just said it with you guys, and I'm going to say the exact same thing with Tampa again. I'm tired of being wrong. I'm tired of being on the wrong side of it. If Tom Brady entered next season at 68 years old, I would bet for him to win the division. I am so done. I'm exhausted. It's been 20 years, and I swear I never win a bet when I bet against not even a bet against when Tom Brady's involved, I lose the bet because I will not pick him to win because every year I convince myself, dude, you cannot do it at 43 years old. It is impossible. It is physically impossible to win at 43 years old. What's the guy do? He wins. That's what happens when you put millions of dollars into your own body every year. And I know we all don't have that opportunity, but good for him. You got to see it with his avocado tequila this last week. He takes a shot or two, and all of a sudden he's throwing trophies. He needs help to walk around. The guy's a legend. Has he ever been more likable than he is right now? Because here's the easy answer for you. No, he's never been more likable. I love me some Tom Brady right now. I'm picking the Bucks to win the division. I am done. I am done being wrong. I'm very done. It's about time that you jump ship over here to the Buccaneers, pun intended. If you guys don't know, Buccaneers is a slang term for uh, pirates. Pirates use ship to get around. Yeah, it's a whole thing. NFC West. Los Angeles Rams are the favorite to win this division at plus 165. 
Niners at plus 200, Seahawks at plus 260, and the Cardinals at plus 700. So this, I think, hands down, is the closest um, divisional race here. NFC West, this talk about absolute coin toss, but I'll go back to back. Hopefully the injuries won't fuck me this year. San Francisco 49ers at plus 200, I think, is going to be the safe bet here, even though it's pretty high on the Los Angeles Rams making that jump with Stafford. I'm going to go with the Niners here. No, yeah, I'm completely with you. You heard me already say that Kyle Shanahan might be my favorite coach in the NFL. I think it continues. And now with a healthy team, and again, look out, because San Francisco is likely to have a new quarterback next year. I'm all in on San Francisco to win this division. If not them, it's not going to be Seattle. It's going to be Los Angeles. And Los Angeles, they again, I mean, there's value there. It's just a matter of what do you see Follow your gut. I mean, it, to me, it's about a coin flip. I know it's a little bit more valuable right now for the 49ers, plus 200 opposed to plus 165, but follow your gut. If you think that San Francisco is going to get a quarterback that's capable enough to win this division, then so be it. You pick them. But the Rams, they have Stafford right now. They also have a decent defense. It's up in the air. I re- You have great coaches. You have great defenses. And you have Stafford right now in the Rams versus in vacancy on the 49ers. I'm talking myself in circles right now. It's one of those two teams. At this moment, on February 15th, I'm taking San Francisco to win the division as well, though. Mm, that's some kush. <clears throat> oh, we're so recorded. And that's going to wrap us up here for the NFC West. So we're going to jump into way, way, way too early predictions for the Super Bowl. If you thought the division predictions were too early, what about this year's Super Bowl? There's a lot of good odds here. So as of right now, so right now, as your favorites, we have the Kansas City Chiefs at plus 500, Tampa Bay Buccaneers plus 950, Buffalo 1100, Green Bay 1100, and your Rams at 1300 to round out the top five. So Wally, you even have 1300 right behind the Saints at 1600, Seattle at plus 2000. So looking at all these odds, obviously, Kansas City is the one that is circled around. I think everyone's going to be throwing their money on there. But everyone's always looking for that second bet to really cash in. What are your thoughts looking at these odds? I want it to be clear that I'm picking Kansas City again to win. So I would bet on Kansas City plus 500 to win. I know that's boring. I get it. So I'm going to give you a second team that if Kansas City isn't going to win, they're the team I feel like is probably the best value bet. We were just talking about them. Steven picked him to win the NFC West. Your boy Wally picked him to win the NFC West. The San Francisco 49ers at plus 1,400 right now, I think is a great value bet, especially when you consider the fact that they're going to find a quarterback in the near future to come in. And if he, when that happens, who knows what caliber the guy is, but they will have a new guy. But if it's a guy like Watson, you know that that value or the Super Bowl projection the Super Bowl odds would probably be somewhere in that neighborhood of plus 700 themselves. So, no, I'm taking him right now at plus 1,400 before anybody gets any wise ideas. That's my team. Defense is great. Love the coach. And any kind of competent quarterback play, that's more than enough to get out of the NFC. So I'm going to throw a wrench into these things. Looking into the odds, you know, obviously the Kansas City Chiefs, we both understand we're both taking that. So that's number one. Now, we should honestly have three because – you know I'm going to take my Packers at plus 1,100. They're giving me confidence on the back nine of Aaron Rodgers' career I never was anticipating. Depending on how free agency goes, 
you know, in, in a perfect world, J.J. Watt is brought in. Maybe another weapon that we can get cheap. Someone on the market. I don't know. Potentially a Brandon Cooks if he's looking to get out of Houston. A.J. Green for cheap. Potentially T.Y. Hilton for cheap. You know, someone like that. In a perfect world, you know, that would happen. Green Bay plus 1,100 would be great. Don't disagree against the Niners. Want to be a little bit different. Seahawks plus 2,000 would not be a bad bet right now. I like the way shit's going in Seattle, which is negative, right? I feel like this is only going to fuel Russell. They're going to tend to Russ's needs. They're going to look around and realize, you know, all the quarterbacks that are leaving are being successful in other places because teams will allow them to bring in other people, maybe make some personnel changes. Obviously, Tom Brady there in Tampa Bay. Peyton Manning did the same exact thing in Denver. So I'm going to sprinkle a little bit on Seattle as being my true, my 2B team, I guess, at plus 2,000. Love the pick. I, I actually think that it's really solid. And here's the, this is what we're going to be doing a lot of in this offseason. We're going to have a lot of these kind of just opinion-based segments where, I mean, we're going to be picking teams. We're going to have bets. We're going to be talking about anything and everything that you can imagine about football, whether it might not be about football. There's been some sad news sprinkled in here too, but I know this was a long episode. I know, but Stephen and I, Put in a lot of work, so we were pretty proud to go back and revisit this. Is there anything here? I'm going to let you wrap it up. This is your job to wrap it up, so I'm going to let you do that. So I'm not going to steal the thunder here too long. Any last things you want to say right now about the way too futuristic projections and bets and all that? No, it's hard. It's hard to tell. It's hard to uh, make future future bets right now. Everything is looming, at least when I made my future bets. you know, Because that should definitely be the one that you're listening to. I had an Aaron Rodgers bet to win the MVP in March. Had Tampa Bay to win the Super Bowl back in April. So I'm the guy you should listen to. But right when there's just that offseason move where you think that it can be almost a culture changer, organizational change, or you know something that will just change the team, equivalent to a game-changing play, essentially. Once that happens within the organization, take money on that. That is my only advice I want to give to you for futuristic picks. Well, joke's on Steven. He thinks that he's been doing a podcast for the last like three or four months. I've been editing everything out that he says, so it's not a problem. I did pick Tampa Bay this year. Congrats to myself and everybody else who followed my lead. Buccaneers did win, and I will probably pick again correctly next year. So thank you again for listening to Wally Lukashinsky podcast. And that will bring us to the end of another episode of Loss of Down. I am your co-host, Stephen Weed, and always, I think, who always runs is Wally Lukashensky. Is that who does it? Make sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, at Loss of Down, Twitter, down underscore loss, to get some updates on us. And Wally, do you have any nice, kind words to leave us with outside of what you already did? Not really. All I have to say is this is the time of year now where we have to evaluate, is Ohio State a basketball school? Top four team. Steven's a Syracuse fan. He doesn't know anything about good basketball teams. Act like you've been there, but, you know, this is your first rodeo, so I do not blame you. We will have a March Madness episode coming out here soon. Why not? Talk about one of the greatest gambling times, sporting events. This is the time. A lot of prop lock and drop it will be happening then. But until then, and until next time, he is Wyatt Lukashensky. I'm Stephen Weed. We are Lost of Down, and we will be seeing you.